All right. Uh-oh. Check those. All right. So as we start this out, uh, Phoenix Kalita is saying that he's using disingenuous white man arguments. So that is how it begins. WineCellarMedia.com. Now, sisters and brothers, we know we got over by the blood, the sweat, and the tears of sheroes and heroes, some whose names we know and some whose names we do not know. But I will tell you something. We have been here before. Now, the only difference is we got some company, Rev. We got our gay lesbian sisters and brothers with us this time. We got our Hispanic, Asian, Native American sisters and brothers with us this time. I think Dr. Reverend Martin Luther King said we may not have gotten here on the same ship, but we are in the same boat right now. In Father Teresa's Wine Cellar, we believe all oppression is intersectional. And this means our analysis of current events frequently includes discussion of difficult and explicit content. Any combination of the following topics could be included in our show. Murder, rape, war, climate change, racism, sexism, violence, sexual violence, homophobic violence, heterocentrism, discrimination and abuse against individuals of nonconformist sexuality, domestic violence, child abuse, child rape, child neglect, elderly abuse, verbal abuse, police brutality, microaggressions, ableism, cyberbullying, genital mutilation, ideological extremism, and people just being total fucking assholes. <coughs> All right, and immediately I see the notification, Stefan, all right, because I always pronounce names properly. Do you? Stefan tuned in. Howdy-do, neighbor. Um, things come in full circle, as it were. I think we, we did another full circle, like, some weeks ago. Uh, did we? Yeah, because it, um, it was something along the lines of, like, we're uppity Negroes with no cotton to pick. Oh, yes. I remember that one. Very old episode we did. and um, But now we're flipping it all the way back. This was the um, the first time uh, Phoenix Kaliter came in the wine cellar, just as a speaking guest, just coming to kick it. Mm-hmm. And um, Jay, from out there in Australia, yeah. I think it's like a, pro- a professor, like a college teacher. Yeah, I think they're um, like an adjunct professor or something. Oh, geez. So uh, uh, even more marginalized than I thought. <laughs> Fucking Jay was, uh, had heard the program and seen some of my posts and was like, it was like, hey, nigga, why don't you talk about motherfucking cultural appropriation, fool? And I was like, I didn't know y'all had that accent in Australia. And it was like, yeah, fool, now do it. And I was like, all right, let me find someone who actually riffs on this type of thing. And Phoenix Kaliter came on. I think you talked about that. And in the same recording, I don't, may, maybe it didn't make the same episode. Mm-hmm. Like, I think we recorded for like, you know, like maybe an hour or so. Mm-hmm. And I stretched it out into like two or three episodes because okay. you also did like indigenous people's Thanksgiving shit. Oh, okay. Yeah, like you covered that. And then we recorded, we recorded like five hours of shit that um, I recorded on a computer that's so slow 
I never got to edit it or anything because mm-hmm. the computer just couldn't handle a file that big. So there's literally like a five-hour episode of The Wine Cellar <laughs> that just isn't allowed to exist. <laughs> and it's literally like our first long conversation. We just stayed on the phone. And for some yeah, reason, I was David. like, yo, let's record all of this. This is all heat. <laughs> all right. So Fiends Cleaters back on. Cultural appropriation okay. is the topic again. Yes. And it's still not really my topic, right? Like, I don't really talk about it. I don't really think about it much. It's mm. one of those ones. I don't know if it's too academic for me. I think you do. I just think you only think about it in, like, specific subtexts of where it impacts you. Oh. Oh, so I center myself. Yes. Well, I mean, <laughs> you center your subcultures. Oh, word. Because you have a lot to say about people not being hip-hop, having opinions about hip-hop. Which is arguably um, a form of cultural appropriation, right? Because, like, what are you always saying about how it's, like, mass-produced and corporatized and a bunch of, you know, whack rappers are here who aren't actually from the hood using hood vernacular and things like that. So, I mean, yeah, you do talk about it. You just talk about it, like, in the very specific context of where it hits <laughs> for you. All right. Looks like I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to use Talk Fury's instrumental for that thing. Uh <laughs> Yeah, maybe. I lowered the bar, though, right? Like, I used to say, then you have to battle me. But how about <laughs> you just have to cipher with me? That's if you can, still... if you can hold your own in a cipher with me. We don't have to be dissing each other, but you need to hold your own in a cipher with me before I can really take you serious. I think I did that twice. Uh, what? Oh, serve me in a battle? No, actually, keep up with you in a cipher twice. I think. Yeah, you hung in there. <laughs> yeah, well, I tried. <laughs> Folks, we used to get hammered in freestyle. That's the kind of married couple we are. <laughs> on the front porch. Just, on the, just all for the public to see. Just what the fuck is with okay. these niggas? Okay, no, we lived on a dead end. It's not like the public was going to see it. The porch is elevated above a McDonald's and a gas station. Someone heard and was like... Everyone in the McDonald's parking lot was already drunk. They weren't paying attention. Is that some light-skinned lady rapping at that nigga? Why is she yelling at him like that? <laughs> Okay, everyone in the McDonald's parking lot was already drunk at that time of night. So, no, they were not listening to us. They, they weren't drunk. They were they were Jay Quanin. Everybody gets tipsy. Wow. They were Jay Quanin. Mm-hmm. Also, he had a record that I did like. I didn't like the tipsy one. All right. Uh, my, uh, oh, shit. Quick, quick on the headlines and then off to the shit because it is indeed 1 p.m. This is how it goes. Ugh, and, Lord. folks, I yeah. probably look a little less weird because I have on new fucking glasses. All right, um, so shit that you might find on winecellarmedia.com, you know, hey, turn off the social media, turn on the, you know, other websites. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Fucking, um, I, I put up one of those am I the asshole joints where a, um, a father wants his daughter to remove her facial tattoos before moving back into the house. What? Which, like... The level of class privilege all around. Right. Because to my understanding, tattoos ain't cheap. Um, the one I have cost like 150 bucks when I got it. And that, your Hotep cat. Yeah. That's and, just one little Hotep cat. Yeah, but I also got that when I was like 21. So that was some years ago. <laughs> that was some years ago. <laughs> yeah, so like to get the tattoos and then I'm guessing, I don't know, like this seems to be a family that can afford to remove tattoos. Yeah, that's also really expensive. Yeah, like Jesus Christ. Yeah. Like, I think capitalism is the asshole, but also the father's the asshole. Yeah. Um, another story we have up there, um, trans women. Um, now, uh, other, again, 
I put this stuff up because I think that we will try to look at it from an angle that it's not being looked at by other outlets. Mm -hmm. So, and I know folks don't tend to look past headlines. So my headline is trans women defend themselves and still get punished with a curfew. Yeah. Because people are like, uh, like, ah, you know, hey, the, the, the judge gave him mercy. The judge didn't charge him with anything. Mm -hmm. And it's like, nah, in this fucking, um, I can't even say this climate of transphobia, this more climate of awareness of transphobia and all the murders that go on around it for someone to be coming up, flexing on these trans women like this and they straight rat packed them and jumped them and, and handled their business. Mm -hmm. Like that, hey, that's self-defense like a motherfucker because that's a potential murderer. Remember Islam Nettles and the rest. Um, right. uh, a woman gets attacked by a misogynist for existing in public and fights back. And in all irony, this woman just so happens to be a bodybuilder. <laughs> like, oh, she has fun. her own bodybuilder website and all that old shit and pictures oh, of her flexing. Was he, like, making fun of her for not looking feminine enough? Uh, no. Oh, okay. No, she was uh, She was by a child's soccer game because her child plays soccer. And she was uh, jumping rope to keep herself busy nearby. Oh, okay. And a man took a picture of her without her consent posted it on the face booze without mm -hmm. her consent mm -hmm. and uh and you know was like oh she's uh she's trying to get attention from the men you're the one giving her attention she didn't ask for what the fuck and this is a funny shit because the picture was also from behind because men are gross mm -hmm. i'm one of them uh, <laughs> mm -hmm. I don't, that's my cisgender and mm -hmm. um and my first thought was why are you flexing on somebody with triceps like that Right. Do you really want funk with this lady? Like, mm -hmm. really? Do you really want to catch a fade? Because she looks like she's ready to catch a fade. Um, there's a police training guide that um, teaches police officers that Black Lives Matter is partially composed of hardcore terrorist trained troops. All right. Yeah. All right. So watch out for those hardcore terrorist trained troops. I wish they'd make up their mind already. What? Oh, are we hardcore terrorist troops or are we like... Soy boys, I don't... The soy boys are the white allies. I don't know. Are Those we always, are... like, we're, like, too triggered to function? No, like Parker Hampton. That's a soy boy. So the rest of us, are we, like, too triggered to function, or are we Antifa super soldiers? I don't know. I think I, just, I, 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 I would get marked up as the, one of the super soldiers. You, well, that's just because you're black. It's fucking super predators. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, a noose and a racial epithet are... um. Uh, they create a sense of violation at a vandalized black-owned um, uh, gym. Hmm. And um, there are California megachurches that are rebranding as family-friendly strip clubs to protest the state's COVID-19 restrictions. <laughs> Did you see the one preacher man who uh, refused to stop services at one of those churches got COVID and died? <laughs> God's that plan. That's been happening so God's plan. Yeah. Yeah. It was... Uh, Covine intervention. Covine intervention. Hey. Wow. All right. And let's go ahead and dance it on forward without further ado. This yes. is dissentmagazine.org. Uh -huh. All right. And yes. it's .org. So this is like activism. Okay. Yeah. This is like for the people. Wait. So I found something else from this author. Can I bring it up now or should I bring it up ah, at the end? Shit. Okay. What is it? Oh, so this is actually something he wrote for the same outlet. Because I was like, who the fuck is this fucking guy, Brian right? Brian Morton. Brian Morton, who apparently he sat on uh, someone having a session with Rahm Emanuel where oh. they were talking about Marxism. <gasps> yes. 
And so do it. Uh, he says, when I was a senior at Sarah Lawrence College in 1978, I kept hearing things about this new kid named Rami Manuel. People were talking about him as a big man on campus. Uh, we had a late night bull session about politics at the pub at the campus center. We had a grifted group of students, blah, 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 blah. One became a constitutional lawyer. Um, one who writes regular. Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't care about all their accolades. Um, I'm trying to get to the important part here. Yes. Um, so he says, I remember the parts of the conversation that took place that night. We were talking about politics and political theory. Someone began to talk about Marx and Emmanuel, who was taking classes in classical liberal theory. A classical liberal? Classical liberal this theory. Guy's a classical liberal. All right. Rahm Emanuel is a classical liberal. Uh, so he was studying Hobbes, Locke, and company, started asking questions. The reason I remember is because he was a bright kid with an intense intellectual curiosity. As our resident 20-year-old socialism experts talked about the democratic current within Marxism or the idea that socialism could bring about a more democratic society, Emmanuel asked questions. So Emmanuel didn't believe them. All right. But there was something striking about him. He was obviously sure of himself, but uninterested in throwing his ego around. He wanted to hear what other people had to say. He wanted to learn. Okay. Um, and so then he ends this little like blurb. It's not even like a full piece. It's, you know, this is pretty much the whole thing and says, but when I read about him, when I read articles pro and con, because this is from 2008 after he was in uh, Obama's cabinet. That's when yeah. this guy wrote this. So he ends it by saying, when I read about him, when I read articles, pro and con about what... bad. Hold up. It was in 2008? This this event he's talking about happened in college, but he wrote it in 2008 to justify Obama picking Emmanuel for his administration. Oh, great. Oh, so this is like a Facebook memory considering (laughs) the time. This is great. Yeah. Yeah. So he's arguing that... um, What did he say here? Um, I'm thinking about what this is likely to mean for Obama's White House, and I keep remembering that night. I keep remembering what a strong impression I received of the kid who was confident enough to ask questions. So he thought that Emmanuel was going to, like, ask questions and do the right thing. He said this confidently in 2008 because of a college discussion he saw a couple decades earlier. So that's who this author is. Someone who saw Rahm Emanuel studying classical liberal theory and was impressed. So now you're telling me he also has opinions about cultural appropriation. Yeah, well, I'm. I, I, hey, I don't know. You don't know. I don't know anymore. <laughs> but fucking, and then just a uh, shout out to the chat space and Stefan Rivers. I knew that Stefan Rivers' profile picture and name looked familiar. Like we interact a lot more now, but Stefan just confirmed they've been tuning in since 2017. Oh Jesus, that's so was, a long time. Yeah, I, I was like, uh, I was like, I know, I know, I know, I know this cat. Yeah. All right, so let's do it. DescentMagazine.org. Mm-hmm. All shook up the politics of cultural appropriation by Brian Morton, and it just says fall 2020. Mm-hmm. All right, and then this is the fun part because Brian Morton is um rather pale, and uh, but they that's put that's a nice way to put it. They, He's a light skin ally and uh, and has. But the article starts you out with a picture of a novelist by the name of Ralph Ellison. Mm-hmm. And I mean, and they, they have it noted there. But, you know, you got heads like me. I don't even know who the fuck that is. I don't, yeah. All I read is the news. Yeah. I don't read poems or whatever the fuck Ralph. <laughs> I was like, I don't know what this nigga did. Harlem Renaissance. Yeah. You got me. <clears throat> 
Um, so let's do it. Um, first paragraph, we jump in. I first heard the phrase, quote, stay in your lane a few years ago in a writing workshop I was teaching. We were talking about a story that a student in the group, an Asian American man, had written about an African American family. There was a lot to criticize about the story, including an abundance of cliches about the lives of black Americans. I had expected the class to offer suggestions for improvement. What I hadn't expected was that some students would tell the writer that he shouldn't have written the story at all. As one of them put it, if a member of a relatively privileged group writes a story about a member of a marginalized group, this is an act of cultural appropriation and therefore does harm. I don't know about is that is that what that is? Again, I don't I would hesitate to call that cultural appropriation. Okay. Um personally, that, it I don't It just seems more like tacky ass writing. Yeah, like or bad writing cuz a lot of times they a lot of times I find when people write about another group, whether that's talking about like a hetero person writing, you know, gay characters or like a non-black writer writing black characters. A lot of the time it's like these characters don't exist just to exist in the novel. It's like somehow you have to make them weird and like um, sort of like tokens to be like, oh, here's my gay character. We have to have like, you know, an obligatory scene where he's, you know, sucking a dick just so you know he's gay or like. We have a gay character. You have to know that it's, you know, um, you know, the finger snap and neck waving sassy black woman. Like, it's never just there happens to be a black person in my story because there's a black person in my story. It's always like weird shit that they do with these characters. You know, I think I have um, an old post about that because a, um, a, a, a trans woman that I uh, w- was on my friends list on the Facebook had a they they were literally I, th- I think it was the that bridge in San Francisco. Yeah. And uh, they literally, like, took a picture at the bridge and was, like, and, like, their post they wrote was their suicide note and hopped off the bridge. Yeah. And um, and my post about it was, like, I don't really know this person that well. Mm -hmm. Like, all I know about them is that they're trans and they're not alive anymore. Yeah. But I don't know if this person was, um, you know, into mechanics. I don't know if they Mm -hmm. were into fashion. I don't know if they're into carpentry. I don't know shit else about them. Yep. And yeah, it's kind of like that, where it's like, you're just going to take this fucking uh, stereotype. Uh, yeah. Well, and, you know, I think that this is a conversation that we have, um, you know, I guess, well, kind of adjacent. But we talk about, like, representation and, like, film and movies and shit. And it's like, you know, everybody wants representation. And it's like, but then this is what we get. It's like, you know what I mean? It's like some tacky fucking, like, yeah, yes, queen to your white friend because I'm like the black support character. You know what I mean? Yeah, Where you're I'm like, saying, don't represent uh, me. Just no. don't do it anymore. That's <laughs> why I said, like, please, white writers, and- just make all white shows and all white movies with all white characters because you cannot write black people at fucking it's yeah. horrible. Yeah, and so that's kind of the <laughs> vibe that I don't know that I would call it cultural appropriation per se, but like I get what they're the person critiquing the person who wrote black characters like that's that vibe they're talking about is like yeah you did it but it's horrible so stop it yeah that's like <laughs> in, my, in my 20s i was watching this program called the nurse jackie and um and it was amusing i'm looking at the nurse jackie like oh look at everybody doing stuff and um why is everybody so comfortable with this doctor sexually assaulting everyone weird show let's watch it mm-hmm. and then they bring in Mar- morris chestnut and i'm like oh morris chestnut oh shit been watching this cat since 1991 or so with mm-hmm. boys in the hood i like morris chestnut immediately 
they throw him in bed with a with a white woman. Yeah, I was like, that don't don't do that to me. Don't do that to the chestnut. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was tacky. That's and his then, name, the chestnut, the was, chestnut. And it was also playing the stereotype because this is like the the fat white woman mm-hmm. and the muscular black man. It was just like yeah. how tacky do you need to be? Yeah, you know, like just don't represent me, like. And I know the people are going to be like, yeah, but you're taking jobs away from black actors. There are black producers, black writers, black directors, and we can start our own websites. We can upload videos. If y'all make us some all black well, shit that's I mean, not Hotep, I'll support it. Morris Chestnut had a career before that show. I'm just saying. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. But yeah, that kind of vibe where it's like if you can't write them well or realistically as multifaceted characters, if they're just sort of one dimensional characters, just don't fucking do it. Just don't fucking do it. Yeah. Like one thing people might know, like I've talked on so many fucking episodes now. You may notice that I don't code switch. I don't have it in me. I'm going to be like, damn, nigga, I'm flabbergasted because because I just (laughs) everything in me is all in is going to come out all in one sentence. I don't, I'm not going to be like switching up and like, I got to do this accentuation. Like, no, mm-hmm. I'm from, I'm from Washington state. I sound like the trash from Spanaway that I am, <laughs> but mm-hmm. raised by a woman from New Jersey. So you're going to hear little winkly tinklies of that. Mm-hmm. And that's just who the fuck I am all the time. So the only difference is volume level. That's pretty much all that's going to change. Right. That's what I had to tell my supervisor at work. He said, William, stop yelling at me. I'm not yelling. I have a high pitched voice. I can use it to yell if you keep behaving like that. So behave. <laughs> so behave. Matthew is very poorly behaved. Yeah, I said his real name. Fuck it. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, back to the article because we are going to fuck around and run the clock out riffing. We will. <clears throat> all right. Third paragraph. Let's party. This one's kind, it's kind of long, too. Okay. So I will be reading relatively quickly. So we're kind of going back to seventh grade in Mrs. Moore's class. Um, quote, arguments about cultural appropriation make the news every month or two. Two women from Portland, after enjoying the food during a trip to Mexico, open a burrito cart um, when they return home, uh, but assailed by online activists, close their business within months. A yoga class at a university in Canada is shut down by student protest. Uh, the author of the young adult novel, criticized for writing about characters from backgrounds different from his own, apologizes and withdraws his book from circulation. Such a wide variety of acts and practices is condemned as cultural appropriation that it can be hard to tell what cultural appropriation is. I mean, okay, but he didn't actually go into detail about why people had issues with those things. The funny thing with me is, like, he's framing it like these people, it was taken away from them. Yeah. Like, again, yeah, I'm a class reductionist, motherfuckers, all right? Uh <laughs> If you can afford to go on vacation in Mexico mm-hmm. and just open up a taco stand because you fucking feel like it, no one took shit from your ass. But also, see, my thing with that is because they're like, oh, you're saying we can't eat Mexican food. And no, that's like a disingenuous argument. I'm not doing it. What does bug me about that is so basically, like, I mean, uh, you know, a cuisine is part of a culture. It's something that goes back like decades. Like right now there's whatever it is, whether it's fucking, you know, in America, if you're white middle class, your fucking grandma's apple pie, fucking your ab- abuelita's tacos, your, you know, fucking whatever it is. But like it's a tradition that goes back. It's a culture. And to think that you can 
oh, hey, I've never really had this thing ethnic before, but I was in Mexico for two weeks, so I feel like I can totally nail it myself. I don't actually need to know anything about the culture. I don't need to have like a culinary degree. I don't need to have expertise. I just need to have some gumption in class privilege. And that's why people are offended because it's like you aren't even like um, you're not even like in the culture. Jesus Christ. Like you went on vacation. Now you're a fucking expert. Okay. Yeah. I mean, and this is not really new as far as like outside of academia. Um, how many times in the 90s have I heard another black person coast to coast saying, damn, we can't have nothing. Right. <laughs> right. Like how many black people you see walking around calling some shit the bomb? We don't say that because white people took it and fucked it up. Yeah. Like we, as soon as we start doing some cool new shit, y'all be like, "Hey, we're gonna make it dorky as shit." Man, they killed by Felicia. <laughs> that was a powerful one, and then they just killed it. But yeah, yeah. Like, like he didn't even address that. That's actually the issue: is that things are when you're not immersed in a culture, when you're essentially an outsider to a culture, and you just, you know, spend a vacation two weeks doing voyeur shit. You can't bring back an, you know, an authentic experience. You don't know enough about it to speak on it. You're not educated on the topic. And that's why people are upset. But, of course, he didn't mention that. So, good times. Mm-hmm. All right. Let's keep dancing it forward. Yeah. Miss Ma'am. And let me, oh, let me check out the um, chatterino. I have to look at the chat oh, on yes. this device because this one, the other oh. one, is not showing me a dat gum or nothing. Mm-hmm. And I guess while you're looking that up, I would add in addition to that that also there is, um, like, that's a very one-way thing. Like, that doesn't go the other way. Like, could you imagine if, like, black people from, you know, Georgia went to, like, London for a week and were like, we are now experts on all British culinary things. We're opening a restaurant. White people would be so mad. They would. I don't know. They'd be mad. Yeah. Yeah. They'd be like, you're doing it wrong. That's not how we do it. That's not authentic. Yeah, it doesn't suck enough. It doesn't Make it worse. suck enough. You put, you put spices in it. Stop it. Yeah, if you're going to do a European <laughs> idea, it better be horrible. <laughs> I mean, they do have some horrible food. Uh, um, dancing it forward. Uh, much of the liter- literature on cultural appropriation is spectacularly unhelpful on this score. Uh, LaRonda S. Manigault Bryant, it's a lot of names. That's a lot of names. Um, a professor of Africana Studies at Williams College says that the term refers to taking someone else's culture, intellectual property, artifacts, style, art, form, etc., without permission. Similarly, Susan Scafidi, uh, a professor of law at Fordham and the author of who owns culture appropriation and authenticity in american law defined it as taking intellectual property traditional knowledge cultural expressions or artifacts from someone else's culture without permission this can include unauthorized use of another's cultures dance dress music language folklore cuisine traditional medicine religious symbols etc another paragraph um, these definitions seem enlightening until oh shit, Brian Brian uh, Morton, let's do it. Uh, these definitions seem enlightening okay. until you think about them 
For one thing, the idea of taking something from another, which a white man would know nothing about. White men have never taken anything from anyone. Nope, nothing. Of taking something from another culture is so broad as to be incoherent. There's nothing in these definitions that would prevent us from condemning someone for learning another language. I didn't choose to speak English. See, okay, but also, okay, 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 okay. Hold on, hold on, hold yeah. on. Yeah. So we're talking about taking something from another culture, right? How do you learn another language unless someone who speaks that language teaches you? Hey, whoa, 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 whoa. See, dude. people who talk about culture, like, especially white people who get mad about cultural appropriation love to do that little slick shit where they're like, oh, so I can't, you know, eat a taco now? I can't speak another language? No, nobody said that. But there's a difference between culture sharing and culture taking. And to act like... Oh, and again, well, what are you, like a fucking uh, a self-made linguist? You don't need other people to study? You didn't have to fucking get a textbook? You didn't get fucking, what is a Duolingo? Rosetta Stone? You didn't fucking make a pen pal in another country that speaks that language? You just learned it all by yourself, huh? Yeah, and uh, like, and again, like, all right, l- learn English, but now learn vernacular. <laughs> really? All right, so you learned vernacular. Now learn the vernacular of the niggas in California. Now learn the vernacular <laughs> of the niggas in Louisiana. Right. Right? Like, go ahead. You learn some fucking basic English, and I will fucking stand right next to you and talk to the person behind you, and you won't know what the fuck we're talking about. Yep. On purpois. Yeah. But, the, yeah, that's like to say that, you know, oh, you can't speak. No, nobody's saying you can't speak another language. But, again, intentionally conflating taking with sharing. Because if someone is teaching you their language, they're sharing that experience with you. You're not taking it from, well, I mean, unless it's a, you know, gunpoint or duress, you're not taking it from them. They're sharing it with you. So that fucking willful conflation of shit, that's fucking white people shit. And also, white people don't take languages. They destroy them by murdering all the people that speak it. They do. Like, how many languages are just fucking gone? Or intentionally, like, um, uh, like misrepresenting concepts and words and ideas and beliefs. Yep. Mm-hmm. That's why Cypher MCs need to fucking stop recording what we do. Just fucking <laughs> just hide it right. Let's just get let's just meet together, social distance, and get our cipher on and not record it, and then everyone go home and come back and cipher again tomorrow, social distance. Just do a um a zoom cipher. A zoom cipher. I know hip hop heads are hurting right now. Yeah, do, like, do zoom ciphers. Cause like as much as a lot of these black liberals like to talk about black men not hugging, oh fuck. In the hip hop world, we love hugging. That's all we do. <sighs> Everyone comes together and hugs it. Oh the my fuck god. Out. I should go find that article and like make you read it so you can be mad about it. Oh shit. Oh, it's some article that's saying something like uh, the pandemic is proving I don't remember if it was men or black men I think it might have been men in general but there was some article that's like the pandemic is proving that um, like you know bros aren't enough like basically saying like men are suffering right now in quarantine because they don't have emotionally healthy bonds with other people and they like they don't have friends basically I gotta find that I was like no nigga we're just not friends with you because you say <laughs> doofy shit like that shut the fuck up nigga uh, I don't I don't I don't code switch people. All right. Uh, <laughs> uh, let's see. Um, Brian Morton. Let's continue. Yes. Uh, next paragraph. Oh, wait, wait. The, the first paragraph, I think it had one more sentence. Um, the, fir- the last sentence right before we started riffing. For another, they rely on an, I- on an idea, permission, that doesn't in this context have any meaning. 
white man has declared that the word you used means nothing. See, I guarantee you that's the same type of dude where, like, you can have, like, 50 black people be like, this is a bad idea. And then, like, Candace Owens is like, it's okay. And he'll be like, black people said it's okay. Yep. (laughs) Like, this is exactly that type of guy. Uh, let's see. Permission to use another group's cultural expressions isn't something that it's possible to receive because ethnicities, gender identities, and other such groups don't have representatives authorized to grant it. When novelists, for example, write outside their own experience, publishing houses now routinely enlist quote, sensitive readers, end quote, to make sure that they say nothing that will offend, but once the books are published, novelists are on their own. There's nothing they can do to rebut the accusation that the products of their imagination were unauthorized. Nothing they can do to ward off the change that they've caused harm by straying outside their lanes. You caused harm by straying outside your continent. Bet you 50 bucks this guy has either written and published or pitched a piece about cancel culture being real. And see, again, he's acting like this is some like impossible um, standard. And yeah, like no, you know, no group or no demographic is a monolith. You're probably never going to get everybody in a demographic to agree. But, you know, he's acting like there isn't a sort of general consensus. Yeah, and it's also like... You you can get a general consensus. (laughs) And the reason why you have to write this is because nobody legitimately actually fucks with you. We don't fuck with you. Right? Like, it's really, like, looking... I I guess I'm always the hip-hop guy, right? Yeah. (laughs) Like, look at the Sacramento shit. Zigzag, always been there. Yeah. Right? Like, Zag's been there for a long fucking time. I think she actually put out some shit, like, last year, right? Mm-hmm. And I first heard Zag in 1995. Yeah. Right? And we're like, damn, that's an ill verse. And we hear Zag again in 97. Like, damn, that's some ill shit. Zag puts out, you know, some more features and some mixtape shit, freestyles and shit. We're like, Zag, it's dope. But then finally, like, more homes are getting the um the internet and computers. Mm-hmm. And now um, my favorite rapper, I don't like him as a person, just a rapper, Brother Lynch Hung has a website and Black Market Records has a website and you can see pictures of all these artists we've been listening to of all these years mm-hmm. and we're like, holy shit, Zag is a white woman. Yeah. <laughs> this whole time Zag has been a white woman, but everybody fuck with her and Zag been spitting. Zag mm-hmm. spits heat. Zag got flows. And yeah. um, what, like Milkbone out there in the East Coast, fucked with Naughty by Nature. Mm-hmm. Like, yo, I don't know if you know about Tretch, but he <laughs> don't fuck with just anybody. Tretch is one of them niggas that in a Vlad TV interview ripped off his mic and left early. Damn. Vla- yeah, Tretch don't just fuck with anybody, but he fucked with the white rapper Milkbone back in the old days. Mm-hmm. Like this shit, like, look at some of the fucking old, some of the older, like, um, damn near boomer like gen x crips the guys that are like in their mid 50s early 50 late 50s now they had kiki loco deuce out there kiki loco is blonde as all hell but he was out there with them fucking crips representing his shit putting it down go look at the music video another front to back look at it on the youtubes you know but the thing is brian morton we just don't fuck with you right (laughs) there's something about you that we don't trust you to fuck with you Right. Well, and I mean, that's um, also, you know, goes back to what we originally said is that a lot of times when 
these people, you know, veer outside of their lanes, uh, which he takes offense to, is that they're not doing a good job of representing. It is that, you know, sort of one-dimensional, like, with the author, right? It's these fucking one-dimensional racial caricatures. And then you're like, oh, well, you know, they're not giving me permission or you can't get... No, it's because we didn't like what you did because you didn't represent it properly because you're not invested in actually learning um, about the culture or the subculture or the community. You're just like... You know, come take a glance, do some voyeur shit and be like, hmm, I'm going to write a thing about this, you know, and uh, without doing um, the work. Yeah. All right. Let's move it forward. Brian Morton, we're looking at 1.30 in the p.m. Yes. All right. I got to go run these machines on a short staff. Yeah. Woo-hoo. Uh, all right, Brian. Uh, something like the. Oh, this word always fucks with me. Something like the admonition uh, to stay in one's lane lay behind the protest that arose when Dana Schultz, Dana Schutz, I I don't know if that's Schultz misspelled or Schutz. Hmm, Uh, Dana Schutz's portrait of Emmett Till in his casket was displayed in an exhibit at the Whitney Museum in 2017. Did they get paid for that? Uh, Probably uh, the most acrimonious chapter of the cultural appropriation discussion in a in recent memory. The artist. It is shuts. Shuts. Okay. Uh, The artist Hannah Black wrote an open letter to the to uh, to the Whitney uh, quote with the urgent recommendation that the painting be destroyed in quote. Uh, And they continued, quote, through his mother's courage, Till was made available to black people as an inspiration and warning. Non-black people must accept that they will never embody and cannot understand this gesture. Uh, Schutz's response identified the problem with the idea of staying in one's lane. You see, he he agrees with it. So it identified the problem. Mm -hmm. All right. So here it is. Uh, she said, but I don't know what it is. Uh, uh, she said, my bad. She said, I don't know what it's like to be black in America, but I do know what it's like to be a mother. Emmett Till was, was her name really Mammy? Mamie. Mamie. Uh, oh, not two M's, one M. Uh, Emmett, T- I- I- Emmett was, Mamie's, was Mamie Till's only son. The thought of anything happening to your child is beyond comprehension. Their pain is your pain. My engagement with this image was through empathy with his mother. Art can be a space for empathy. I'm having a hard time not laughing through this. Mm-hmm. Ah, compose. I have on new glasses. I need to act distinguished. Yes. Continuing. Art can be a space for empathy, a vehicle for connection. I don't believe that people can ever really know what it is like to be someone else. I will never know the fear that a black person may have, but neither are all completely un- but neither are we all completely unknowable. Yeah. That sounds so, like bullshit to me, but I don't understand it also at the same time. Uh, basically, she's saying that I'm allowed to talk about it because I'm a mother, too, and I can imagine how bad it is to have your kid murdered. So because I'm a mom, I get a say in this because he had a mom and he died. Ah, you see, when I was a child, I was really into this uh, 
this station called Nickelodeon. Yes. And I was also a child that got up early. My biological mother was in the military still at the time. And even after her honorable discharge, she still worked on the base. And um, I would get up early and they had this thing called Nick News W5 with who, what, when, where, and fucking why. Yes. Why was Emmett Till murdered? Do can't like you cannot relate to that fucking ever. It's not possible. So what's interesting to me is that he put the um the artist response, but he left out the original commentary, which was from a fellow black artist. Ah, so shit. her original um critique was from a colleague, and he didn't put her quote in. But this is a statement from um artist and writer Hannah Black who um, posted an open letter asking for the painting to be removed as Emma Till painting and said, quote, I'm writing to ask you to remove Dana Schutz's uh, painting open casket with the urgent recommendation that it not be entered into any market or museum. As you know, the painting depicts the dead body of 14 year old Emmett Till in the open casket that his mother chose saying, let people see what I've seen. That even the disfigured corpse of a child was not sufficient to move the white gaze from its habitual cold calculation is evident daily and in a myriad of ways, not least the fact this painting exists at all. In brief, the painting should not be acceptable to anyone who cares or pretends to care about black people because it is not acceptable for a white person to transmute black suffering into profit. No, well, that 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 doesn't make any sense. Like he said, it's incoherent. <laughs> doesn't make any sense. Right? Brian yes. Morton, the white man, has declared that incoherent. Remember, these uh, the, don't talk about that cultural appropriation shit. It's incoherent. Mm-hmm. Skibby flippy jibby do. All right, let's uh, let's take a little look there. Oh shit! Actually, so oh. uh, now that I'm just glancing at this article about this painting, I'm not going to read all the quotes, but um, there's a bunch of black artists who, like, so these are her contemporaries. These are her colleagues. This isn't like some random person on Twitter with 100 followers. These are her colleagues who were like, this is fucked up. He really didn't express that in this article. Yeah, this and this was shared by Shannon Raintree and Shannon Raintree says like this is the best thing that she's ever read about cultural appropriation. Oh, I'm Dead not up. I'm not Shannon, feeling it. Yeah, Shannon says this is the best. This article right here by Brian Morton is the best. And Shannon Raintree like if you're tuned in like why did you delete your comment? Cuz they left a comment on my uh deal where I posted it. But then they remove their comment, and I don't know why. Like, I don't get it. Cause like, it's, oh, I'm not, probably. I'm not flexing. Like, I didn't even. Um, oh, probably I mean, just to avoid potential conflict. Oh, geez, that never happens in the wine cellar. <laughs> Avoiding conflict is not what we <laughs> do here. <laughs> yeah, no, they still have it posted, but yeah, yeah. no, the, but yeah, they removed their comment from my shit. Huh. Fun and funner. Fun and funner. All right. Back to the article because uh, it's 1.36 p.m. Yes. And time is evil. Uh, she was saying that the lane that she shared with Mamie Till Mobley, um, by virtue of being a mother, was just as salient as the lane of race. No. See? No. Because you know who else had mothers? Those white men who murdered that boy. They also had mothers. Do their fucking mothers get an equal say because they were mothers too? 
Well, yeah. Well, you the fucking about... woman who snitched on him was a mother. Fuck her. Okay, but they, those those white men didn't they? They took they left his body down by like by a river. They left it in a river, yeah. Yeah, and that's probably like a dirty, muddy area. They probably got mud on their boots and tracked it in the nice house on the mm, carpet. Mm -hmm, and those mm -hmm. white mothers had to deal with that black mud that looked like nigger skin. Frankly, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. do you think they really want nigger skin looking mud on their carpet? They can relate to Mamie. These are the facts. You're being incoherent right now. Phoenix. Yeah, okay. Okay. Jesus. Mm hmm. Huh. Uh, taking a look here. So, a, uh, this is again in the article. A similar point was made by the political scientist Adolf Reed. Okay, that's the picture earlier. No. No. That. Oh shit. Who was that in the th in the picture in the where they kind of? Oh fuck! I just forgot his name. Um. It's 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 noted up oh, there. Oh, he was a writer. Ralph Ellison. Yes. All right. So Adolf Reed, which is a name I've heard, don't really know too well. Political scientist Adolf Reed in an article that highlighted the many ways in which the history of Black Americans and White Americans have been intertwined. Why though? Uh, Reed remarked that uh, one might argue that Schutz, as an American, has a stronger claim than the British-born Black to interpret the Till story. See? Eh? Eh? White Americans know Blackness better than you fucking Brits. God Black damn it. Brits. Jesus, why don't you fucking respect the white American for once? Oh, Jesus. Jesus Christ. Maybe the white American can finally have a say in something. <laughs> Thank you, Adolf Reed. Um, <laughs> Shannon Raintree thinks that this is the number one article. Break it down, Shannon, please. Oh, man, I, I'm, I'm pretty fine with replacing um, Karen with Shannon for a bit. Don't be a Shannon. <laughs> Um, <laughs> don't rain on my tree. Um, <clears throat> taking a look back at the article, uh, has more of a say, um, uh, than the British born black to interpret the Till story. After all, the segregationist Southern order and the struggle against that order, which gave Till's fate, its broader social and political significance were historically specific moments of a distinctively American experience. American. Yeah, but America. Not, not white America. Freedom, Phoenix. Not white America. And apparently, um, this guy is like fucking lefty. I just think he's dead ass wrong about this. Adolph Reed, is he that old black dude that be on Jacobin? He doesn't look that old. Well, I mean, who knows how old he is? Black people and aging. <laughs> but yeah, apparently he's like a Marxist scholar and shit. Ah, that's why he has so many white friends. I think I've seen that nigga talk before on YouTube. And yeah. I think that's an old picture. I think he's older than that now. Is he? Well, F Phoenix just showed me a picture that yeah. did not come on camera for the audience. All right, dancing back to the Oh, article. shit, he's 73. Okay. Yeah, there you go. Um, when Till Mobley uh, defied the authorities by displaying her son's mutilated body in an open coffin, it was not with the aim of making his image available for only black people. Till Mobley said that they had to see what I had seen. Well, that's the thing. Like, so the image is also already out there. Why do you need to get paid for repainting it? Right. Like the picture already exists. Just, you know, search it and click it and look at it for a second and then fucking... Also, I looked at the the image that this artist did. I don't like it. Oh, it's like not... I, I don't it's, know much it's about like, painting. It's um, like... It looks like a Picasso. 
I don't. I, I don't like, know what that is um, either. It's like um. Yeah, folks. I don't. I don't know shit like this. I. I just. I. I know gangster rap and <laughs> and anti capitalism. I don't really know much else. Um. Let me see if I can see if like what the specific. Well, keep reading. I'm yeah. Fe- all right. Phoenix yeah. is uh, doing some digging and looking. Um. So she defied the authorities. Um. And it was not to make it only for black people. Till Mobley said, quote, they had to see what I had seen. The whole nation had to bear witness to this. The author of Christopher Benson, who co-authored The Death of Innocence, uh, the story of the hate crime that changed America. <laughs> yeah, it's, changed America? Yeah, it's a bit presumptive. <laughs> With Till Mobley wrote that, quote, she welcomed the megaphone effect of the wider audience reached by the multiple storytellers, irrespective of race. Bob Dylan's song, Ballad of Emmett Till, uh, Gwendolyn Book's poem, The Last um, Quatrain of... Uh, it says Quatrain. Oh, yeah. Right. The Last Quatrain of uh, Charlie Bebe... Of Charlie... Uh, Bebe Moore's, uh, Bebe Moore Campbell's novel, Your Blues Ain't Like Mine, and Rod Sterling's, um, numerous interpretations in his TV shows, including The Twilight Zone. All things I'm not familiar with. In writing about cultural appropriation in art, then the point isn't that artists should be permitted to imagine the experiences of others as long as they can establish that they share a lane. There are no two people on the planet who don't share a few lanes. The point is that artists imagine the experiences of others by virtue of a common humanity. Why do you need to imagine it when I can just fucking say it? Why do I need a white man's imagination? Impressionism was the word I was looking for. Hmm. Her style of art. It's really ugly. And it doesn't even look like a face. Hmm. I don't like it at all. Okay. Yeah, it looks like really hideous to me. Okay. I don't know. Well, actually, um, Dana Schultz open casket. I bet it, we were looking at the picture yeah. so much. I'm going to go ahead and bring it up for the um, audience. If you could break, tell folks what the hell, um, because there might be someone ignorant like me out there that doesn't know what the hell um what did you call that style impressionism um so impressionism is a movement characterized by let's see what wikipedia says thin bust strokes accurate depiction of light blah 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 anyways everything looks kind of blurry i guess is the best way to like describe it yeah all right like gonna... um yeah. Like some of the like uh, used to start with a lot of um like natural landscapes, so like fucking like Van Gogh and shit is like impressionism. Van so Gogh. Yeah, like uh, I think people known for what like fucking sunflowers and the fucking like lily ponds and shit. You got you got me on all so of if, it, yo. <laughs> if you saw some of them, oh, Starry Night. If you saw it, you'd know it. But like that sort of like you can tell what it is, but it's not like realistic looking. It's just sort of. I don't know. What the fuck is this? That's <laughs> Emmett Till's face. I don't understand the... Pe- I think that, yo, and I and I, I know, like, this is me being over the top. This is that William shit that maybe some people tune in for. But people, I think a lot of people that are, like, really into paintings are totally fucking faking it. <laughs> this looks fucking goofy. What the blue fuck is this? And this probably probably spent hours on this silly nonsense. It looks like fucking magic marker. Yeah, it does not look good. It looks it like, does, it like, but it's like to such a point it doesn't even look like a face. 
Yeah, this is just fucking garbage. Yeah. It just looks like a fucking, like, the shittiest Instagram filter. Yeah, I think that people, like, just admit it. Like, Hannibal Burris is right. You actually just go for free wine. You don't give a fuck about what kind of dorky shit you're looking at. Fucking paintings. Paintings are fucking whack. Yeah, but it's sort of like that, like, modern impressionist shit. Mm, yeah. Yeah, impressionize these. Wow. <laughs> fucking. All right. Continuing. All right. So it's a common humanity. All right. And this is uh, back to Brian Morton. Quote, mm-hmm. a common humanity. The phrase seems quaint. Um, anachronistic. And I say that right? Yeah, so. anachronistic. Even as I type it. But I think the restoration of the dignity and prestige of the idea is one of the tasks of the contemporary left. In the world of fiction, the area of artistic endeavor that I know best, imagining other lives, is part of the job. Why is it a job? Is it a job or is it art? Well, I mean, technically being an artist is a job. Okay. All right. Uh, but also, again, well, like, and, you know, I, I'm trying to really reiterate this because I, you know, said it earlier once or twice. But he said, what, that you're, um, what the fuck was that last line you just said? Whoa, um, in the world of fiction that uh, starts there? The area of artistic, artistic endeavor, endeavor that uh, I, that imagining I other lives. Yeah, that's the problem. Nobody's mad you're imagining other lives. It's that you're just making shit up. <laughs> it's that you were like, oh, I wonder what whatever this subgroup in this city is doing and instead of fucking going there and actually spending quality time with the people and learning how they talk and what they think and what they believe and how they feel and how they behave and their you know uh, cultural traditions knowing who they are you just took a look and were like yeah i could write about that like without knowing anything about it that's the problem yeah God, yeah, let's move. Yeah, maybe stay in your lanes is no good. Again, stay in your borders. Go back to Europe and fucking stay there. And I know on some level with that, I'm kind of sacrificing sacrificing white fems to have to be around white masculines quarantined in Europe for all of eternity. And yeah, no, I, I'm just acknowledging that I'm doing that. <laughs> okay. But I'm, I'm, I'm still in favor of doing it just to get all whiteness off of the rest of the planet where it doesn't need to be i mean theoretically i think if we took um all the guns away from white people and bombs and militaries away from white people and quarantine them i think they would behave differently in general oh oh they just be tripping because they got heat Uh, yeah i think that has a lot to do with it i don't code switch people (laughs) just fucking (laughs) well i mean shit was that shit columbus said like as soon as he got to puerto rico right oh he said um he said, give me 50 men yes. and I can subjugate them all. Yeah. And basically, but he also was like, they don't have guns. Like they're very innocent, wholesome people. They behave like children. Like we can just treat them like children. Yeah. They, um, they didn't even know what a sword was. And one of them just grabbed the blade and cut the fuck out of his hand, which again, and I bet you now keep in mind. These nasty-ass motherfucking filthy pirates just hopped off their nasty-ass filthy fucking ship. Yeah. I guarantee you that was the first disease transmission. Oh, fuck from yeah. That, cut. that motherfucker probably died the next hour <laughs> from whatever fucking plague these nasty-ass white well, men bought. And then also keep in mind back then it was, what, like three or four months to get from Europe to, yeah. Yeah. Too bad they learned about vitamin C. Oh, All right. Uh, fucking the... 
The philosopher and novelist um, Iris Murdoch wrote, quote, we judge the great novelists by the quality of their awareness of others. Uh, who's we, nigga? <clears throat> See, there's this we shit. <laughs> this, this we, I, I wasn't in the meeting. <laughs> Nobody Zoomed a nigga. I didn't get a fucking Facebook message. Nobody AOL instant message. I'm still Alec Allaire on AOL. You can find me, damn it. Nobody fucking hit me up. <laughs> Who the fuck is we? All right. We judged the great novelists by the quality of their awareness of others. Um, if Tolstoy is considered by many to be the great novelist who ever, the greatest novelist who ever lived, who the fuck is that? It's a Russian writer who wrote about Russian shit. Which, I mean, again, and see, that's the thing. Like, I'm not even saying Tolstoy is bad or that his writing's not good. Why does fucking everything have to be some fucking white European lens? Fucking Russians aren't the only people writing shit. And again, if it, and again, white people, if you think everything from Europe is so awesome, why aren't you there? (laughs) (laughs) You love it so fucking much. Go back. Enjoy your Europe. You hate social distancing, right? Well, you've built quite a population outside of it. Go there and pile up. Make some fucking bunk beds. (laughs) Shit. (laughs) Winecellarmedia.com. We continue on. It's 1.50 in the p.m. Oh, shit. Yeah, we're going to have to do a part two of this episode. Let's dance it forward a wee bitty boo more. Skibby flibble dibble doo. Um... So if Tolsby is considered, uh, Tolstoy, is considered by many to be the greatest novelist who ever lived, this isn't because of the beauty of his sentences or the shapeliness of his plots. It's because he could bring to life so many wildly different characters from the young girl preparing eagerly for her first ball to the old man dying in his bed, from the aristocrat on a fox hunt, to the surf watching the aristocrat ride by oh my Tolstoy's God. intense responsiveness to the uh, uh, to life jolts us I guess including William into an <laughs> awareness of how much more deeply we could be living oh yeah you know the surf and the aristocrat but, but he's doing it again what because a white guy in Russia wrote about poor people and rich people in the same book what the does that have to do with this goddamn Emmett Till painting? What does that have to do with taking uh, from non-white cultures? Like, regardless of if you're a peasant or you're aristocracy in the same country, you're still going to be having a lot of cultural crossover because you're in the same fucking country. Like, yeah, similar, not necessarily the same, but some similar foods, traditions, religion, language, fucking perhaps things like cultural dances. Um, traditions, those sort of things. Like, yeah, a poor person in Russia and a rich person in Russia are going to have more in common than a writer in Russia and a Compton Crip. It's like, come on now. Or Emmett Till's mother or whatever the fuck they're appropriating this week. These are like drastically different um, concepts because, you know, and especially from when Tolstoy was alive, much, you know, much more like religious and, uh, more social hierarchy but like yeah the fucking peasant and the fucking aristocrat are both going to a russian orthodox church on sunday you don't know 
I do. <laughs> I guess I better wrap it up on, I'll make this um, the last two paragraphs, and then, yeah, we'll just have to come back in part two this father mucker. Uh, Phoenix Kalita's getting fired up. Uh, is the greatest that ever lived. Do ba do ba do. Um, oh, excuse me. Dying in his bed. The aristocrat ride by. Tolstoy's intense responsiveness to life jolts us into an awareness of how much deeply we could be living. His intense responsiveness, in particular to other people, jolts us into an awareness of how much more keenly we could be entering into the experiences of people around us. One of Tolstoy's contemporaries, last paragraph, George Eliot, wrote explicitly about the effort to imagine the minds of others as a sort of moral necessity. In So to imagine the minds of others, Hey, I'd say Michael Brown is hulking up. I better shoot him. I'm imagining his mind. Well, yeah, but I mean, even for the way Elliot said that, though, imagining their mind is as a whole multifaceted ass person, not this fucking. Um, he stole. He stole cigars. <laughs> but not as a um, as like a very flat one dimensional caricature. Which, again, is the problem, is that it's all this one-dimensional shit of like, oh, black people like that, right? I'm going to make my black character do that. One-dimensional, but they, they, no, no, now, wait a second there, buddy. Wait a second there. The one that, um, my man that got murdered by Daniel Pantaleo. And, uh, Eric Garner. Eric Garner. Like, a lot of people said that he actually died because he was a fat guy. That's not one-dimensional. He had a... Mm-hmm. See, so, to mm-hmm. see, now you're, you're, you're not, you're not really thinking this thing through. And like George the, Floyd. And, and George Floyd mm-hmm, was mm-hmm. actually kind of swole. No, he died because he had a heart attack because he was a drug addict. He didn't know. See? You're not thinking like the white man. <laughs> Thank you, Black Jesus, for something. <sighs> um, and a wee bitty bounce, beaky boogie boggle boggle. Uh, one of his contemporaries, George Eliot, okay, wrote explicitly about the effort to imagine the minds of others as a sort of moral necessity in Middlemarch, Elliot introduces us to a vibrant young woman, Dorothea Brooke, who is, a, they get so, white people are so into this. They are very much art over tangible justice. Oh, fuck yeah. Yeah. Well, like, because they think art is tangible justice. That's what, so that's what Shannon Raintree's deal is. She thinks art is tangible justice. She well, can speak for herself, but she believes she does, her comments. But, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know if she does, but yeah, a lot of white people do. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't get it. I don't get it. Uh, fucking. And also, like, he says, introduces us to a vibrant young woman, Dorothea Brooke, but this is a fictional character, right? Yeah. It's not real, nigga. <laughs> what the fuck is wrong with you? It's fucking fake. You can't be introduced to a person that doesn't exist. Okay. Um, Dorothea Brooke, who is about to marry a, um a desiccated to marry a desiccated scholar named Kaswaban. All right. Uh, Dorothea naively believes that Kaswaban is C-A-S-A-U-B-O-N. Kasobin. I don't know how to say it. I've only ever 
seen it in print. Oh, shit. I've never heard anybody uh, say it. I don't know. Believe that Kosobin is a man of great intellect and great humanity. Everyone else who knows them sees what she can't see. What she's about to marry, that she's about to marry a cold, humorless, ungenerous man. Hmm. Okay, you know what? I said just that little bit more, but let's, uh, let's... Ah, damn. No, there's a lot of paragraphs where he... It looks like, yeah, he has a, a bit more text about this story that will go beyond the time needed for me to get to the factory on time. All right, so yeah, so we will come back and part two this yes. with this fictional character that doesn't actually exist, <laughs> but we've been introduced to them. I'm noticing the language they use, like you're stuck in imagination world and people talking about cultural appropriation breaks you out of that and that's what you actually don't like. Mm. You don't like reality. You like to fucking play. This is why I remember I was one of the first things I was saying on the podcast way, way back, way like mm-hmm. 2013, 12. Um, I know the song goes, girls just want to have fun. No, white people just want to have fun. Yes. That's it. White people just want to play and fucking party and have a blast, whether it's what up. I think that's very indicative in a lot of conversations around cultural appropriation because what are some of the things, right? My culture is not a costume. Like, oh, I want to dress up as a sexy squaw for Halloween. Or uh, what was it a couple years ago? It was the uh, illegal alien where it was like an alien mask with a serape and uh, like a sombrero. Holy shit. Somebody dressed like that? That That was a costume they were selling. Yeah, and it was oh, literally selling. yeah, it was literally called the legal alien. Um, so it was li- so this was like fucking in the like it went through factories and got yeah. manufactured and packaged. Uh, that was the same year they had the anorexia costume. How the fuck? It was basically like a, like a like all black with like a skeleton painted on it. Because that's because eating disorders are funny, I guess. But um, no, I mean that, and then even other shit where they're like, what is it like the fucking. Um, the people who dress up for the Redskins games are like, I'm celebrating your culture. <laughs> like, fucking, <laughs> fucking whack-ass face paint and, like, fucking fake feathers and shit. Or fucking, you know, when they're like, oh, I love black culture. I look really cute in these bright. It's all about fucking costumes and dressing up. It's all about fun. And it's never about, like, the actual, right? Everybody want to be a nigga, but nobody want to be a nigga, right? <laughs> you know? But, I mean, it really is that. It's just dressing up and having fun. It's never, like, actual in-depth. Again, one-dimensional. You know, I uh, I speak your language. I was born with one of your <laughs> names. I wear your knickers, and I super don't celebrate your culture. It fucking sucks ass. <laughs> Go back home, bust a waltz and a river dance, and enjoy being white with each other. As I said earlier, build some fucking bunk beds. Yes. All right, uh, that is part Jesus. one. It looks like yeah. we are going to be coming back. We are. I have to remember to bring up uh, Things Fall Apart in the next... It's Things a book. Yeah, it's a book, but it like this like this article reminds me of. It's a book that was written by an African, I don't remember where specifically, but an African author who wrote about um an African guy like right when like colonialism was starting and it was like his life experiences and it was all this like really like traumatizing shit. Like he started off like really rich and popular and like was like this warrior and by the end of it he um like everything just fell apart in his life and he committed suicide. But it's like explaining how he went from being super successful to having nothing and killing himself. And then like at the very end of it, like the British guy who's colonizing where he lives sees his body hanging and is like, hmm, that looks interesting. Maybe I'll write a paragraph about him in my book. But like that was the end of it. But we just spent like 
the whole book about like, and then this happened, and then his kid died, and then he got sick, and then he went into like his whole how he ended up hanging from a tree because he killed himself to like some white guy being like, interesting. I'm gonna write a paragraph about it. <laughs> and, like, and like this is what this is like just reminding me of is like this whole fucking multi you know multifaceted person, and then it just ends with a white person being like, I imagine that this is worth worthy of a paragraph that explains nothing about the actual backstory of this person. Oh God, <laughs> yeah, the fuck, yo, when when I die, black folks don't let them write about me. Oh God, don't let them say jack shit about me. It, it whatever they say is gonna be pure bullshit. <laughs> And I have a pretty wild fucking story <laughs> from 1983 forward. Um, and and just looking at the chat space right before we run on out of here. Jesse, Jesse, um, our loco, let us know if we need to um, to push a fundraiser, homie. Yes. Um, said uh, it's justification word salad <laughs> and said this guy got his fifis hurt. Mm-hmm. And Jesse Loco also said, um, the kiddo role plays with their friends and, um, and the research they do just on names would probably, uh, mind boggle this guy. Yeah. And, um, oh, and there's a, oh, and there's Shannon there said they're tuned in listening. Okay. All right. But that, that's the only comment. All right. We got to, uh, yep. And it, it is 2 PM. Wait, I uh, want Shannon to DM me. Cause like, I actually want to know what they think about this article. Oh, um, are you on, do you have Abby Larson on their friends list on the Facebooks? I'm pretty sure. Yeah, yeah, well, hit them up. Yeah, yeah. Because, like, I'm, like, actually curious what they think about it, because I'm not impressed with oh, this they, dude. Oh, she like said the, it's the best. Let, wait, I, uh, let's look. Well. Fuck it, let's blow some more time. We typically don't leave till, like, 2.20 anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, because I'm, like, I'm not moved by this guy's arguments, like, at all. So, yeah, I'm just really curious how it was hitting other people's, um ears i don't know it's a, yeah it's and an article I, not hitting anybody's ears but you know you know what i mean yeah because i follow this individual um and yeah. and uh so i actually read the whole thing specifically only because if someone else had posted it i'd have been like whatever yeah but i only read it because this person posted it and this is their quote 11 hours ago one of the best pieces i've read on the subject of cultural appropriation and then um it looks like the rest of the post is um, quotes from the article. Do-do-do-do. Okay, they also, it looks like they have more commentary, but it is too long to read now. Okay, well, maybe we'll save it for part two. All right, uh, I want to try to do part two after work. Uh, Yeah, Or will you that. be too tired? I don't no, know. No, it's fine. All right, so in, um, so folks, about, I don't know, like nine or ten hours from now, like maybe nine and a half, ten hours, yeah. uh, we will be back on the camera and running our fucking mouths about stuff. Yes. All right. WineCellarMedia.com. Uh, there's uh, PayPal.com slash uh, Phoenix and William. There is Patreon.com slash Fund. Oh, excuse me. And um, and there's always our website, uh, WineCellarMedia.com. And shout out to uh, Adriana Ba. This episode's brought to you by Adriana Ba. Nice. All right. Have a great one. I need to go to the Zoom application and click Stop yes. Live Stream. There that goes. And I really then gotta dye my hair. Podcast audio. You're out of there. Yes.